Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, we are gonna have some fun today. Oh man, I'm gonna be excited and uh, going some rants, but that's what you're gonna get when you're Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing. The only way to get attention is to get a little excited. It's gonna feel like I'm six foot four, two fifty, but I'm still just five foot six. But we are gonna be excited and rant and rave. And what are we gonna be ranting and raving about? Well, it started with some New Year's six predictions I saw, and it led me to kind of revisit Notre Dame's schedule. Um, I've seen plenty of preseason ranking talk. Post-spring, preseason ranking talk, rankings, all that kind of stuff. Then I saw New Year's Six predictions. And I just, I had I had to go back and revisit some of this stuff. Um, if you want a full breakdown of my Notre Dame schedule and projections and things, check out episode number two. I go through every game, talk little details about each game. I'm going to do some of that today, but only focusing on select games. That's where some of the excitement will come in. But, yeah, I'm going to go through our schedule, and I'm going to talk about the New Year's Six predictions that I saw. So, let's get into it. And this is going to be one of those episodes, guys. Watch me for the changes. And try to keep up. So, I'm just going to go through our schedule. I'm going to hold my New Year's 6 prediction, what I read. I'm not making predictions. Because here's the thing. I'm not about to make predictions over something I haven't even seen yet. I'm going to go on a rant right now. The fact that they're predicting New Year's 6 games is insanity. The the fact that you're preseason ranking teams based on I don't know what. Now we're going to predict the entire season? I mean, no. So I'm not making predictions because that's a waste of my time. I understand some of these writers that, that work for ESPN and The Athletic and CBS Sports and all that. They got to come up with something. They, they got to occupy their time. All right, fair. Whatever. I, <laughs> I don't get it. But they came up with predictions. And it just, something stood out to me, and I said, well, you know what? All this preseason ranking talk and all this nonsense, let's go through Notre Dame's schedule one more time. You know, we're about to head into summer. Uh, I'm going to be occupied during the summer. I've got vacations coming up. So this was a great time for me to do this and go through this one more time. And we'll probably go through it a little bit again come August, but right now, May 27th, let's go through it. So we start the season at Florida State, right? Now, Florida State is currently not ranked. And if you've seen, Notre Dame is a nine-point favorite in this game. Now, I don't know what to expect from either side. I, I said that in the beginning. I don't know what to expect. Mackenzie Milton is... Looks like he's going to be their starting quarterback. Um, what will he be? What will he look like? The guy who started most of their games last year, Jordan Travis, was their leading passer and rusher. So is Milton going to be the do-it-all quarterback for them also, coming off a very severe knee injury? I don't know, but they lost their best receiver. But they they, they attacked the transfer portal. They got a lot of new, I guess we'll call them all recruits, transfer portal or or just incoming, you know, out of high school. A lot of new recruits, a lot of new guys, including one of ours, Dylan Gibbons, right? So I don't know what they're going to be. Um, do we know what Notre Dame's going to be? 
not really, but I'll tell you this much. Getting Florida State in game one is huge. That's huge because I think they're going to have a lot more gelling to do than Notre Dame will have to do. Okay? And maybe, you know, by game six or seven, Florida State is a completely different team than game one. I fully – I mean, every year, obviously, teams improve over the season. But I think Florida State is one of those teams that is going to look dramatically different game game seven versus game one. So getting them game one, I think, is a big benefit. Uh, Nine-point favorite seems, I think, think fair. Um, I think Notre Dame wins. I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Because what what I think is going to happen is Notre Dame's defense is still going to be their strength. Yeah, we have Kyron Williams offensively. Yes, we have Chris Tyree. We've got an experienced quarterback, but not an experienced quarterback at Notre Dame. He's experienced elsewhere, but he has that experience. Our offensive line history says we're, we should be good. But again, game one, what do you expect? Especially if we have a true freshman at tackle and potentially a true freshman at guard in Rocco Spindler. We don't know what it's going to look like. But I will side with Notre Dame's defense and Marcus Freeman and what has been established defensively over the last few years that Notre Dame will win this game. So it is going to be a very interesting first game because Florida State isn't your typical opener, you know, like our game two is Toledo. Florida State is not that at all. You know, and they've got some names that you recognize, like Mackenzie Milton. Uh, it's it's going to be a good game. I don't I don't know that the nine points is an I say enough, but I I think it's too big of a margin. I really do. I think Notre Dame. It's going to be like a touchdown game, uh, whether we like it or not. You know, I and and real quick. I, I am not the rainbows and lollipops and everything's awesome guy. <laughs> I'm I'm realistic. I try to be objective here, and I'm not gonna just oh Notre Dame's going 12 and 0 because I love Notre Dame 12 and 0. That's how it goes. Go Irish. I'm gonna try to be realistic here, and obviously I'm predicting things off of a lot of unknowns, and I will emphasize that I'm not gonna sit here and say. You know, I'm going to put my life savings on the fact that Notre Dame's going to win 11 games or 12 games or whatever. Uh, just what we know now. But I think, honestly, getting Florida State game one is huge. And I think it'll be even bigger because if Notre Dame wins, and let's say they do cover the nine, they win by like, you know, 13, 14 points. And then it turns out Florida State got their shit together and is really good. That win's going to look great on Notre Dame's resume, right? So. Florida State is is going to be an interesting team to watch this year to see how all of that talent comes together. But I've got Notre Dame winning that first game. Then we've got Toledo at home. we got Purdue at home. Those are wins. Sorry, Drew Brees. I know it's your first well, second home game, first Purdue game in the booth. You're about to watch your team lose. And that's not being cocky. That's just it's, Purdue's not good. Purdue. It ain't going to happen. So then we get Wisconsin and Chicago. Now, back on episode two, which was in January, um, I, I consider that game a toss-up. You know, Wisconsin is – it's Wisconsin, smash mouth football, high motor, high IQ guys. You know, yeah, we got Jack Cohn, so he should be motivated. But I was like, well, what about Grand Burtz? Like, he looked great. Remember, guys? He threw five touchdowns against Illinois. And Illinois is not exactly the top of the echelon in Big Ten football. So, I looked a little further. Now, Wisconsin is preseason ranked number 12. And real quick, Notre Dame's 11. Notre Dame's starting this, the rankings I'm using, Notre Dame is 11 in this. So, they're outside the top 10, but they're ranked 11. Wisconsin is 12. Now, Graham Mertz, five TDs versus the fighting Illini of Illinois. Okay, well, what did he do the rest of the season, you might ask? Well, he ended the season with nine touchdowns and five interceptions. What does that mean? The rest of the games, he threw four touchdowns to five interceptions. 
That was it. And what you might be wondering, well, who did he play? Well, he played three games against ranked opponents, Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa. In those three games, he had one touchdown and five interceptions. And they lost all three of those games. So the only games that he faced any type of tough competition, Graham Mertz was not impressive. He, he lost the lot. Wisconsin lost those games, and he had one touchdown to five picks. Um, I I know conventional wisdom says, oh, he's going to get better, he's going to improve, and he probably will. But again, I'm going to go off of what I know, not what I'm going to guess is going to happen. I'm not a I'm not a good guesser of things. Okay, I'm 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 as good as a weatherman. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you what it's going to be. It might be wrong. So I'm not going to assume something based on what I'm guessing will happen. I'm going to take an educated guess and use what I do know. And what I do know is Graham Mertz didn't look awesome against any type of competition. So I like Notre Dame there. I still It's going to be a tough game. It is Wisconsin. Let's not... Let's not overlook and gloss over the fact that it's Wisconsin. They're a tough matchup. They're, the game's probably going to be close. It is what it is. But history since 2017 tells me I have more confidence in Notre Dame getting it together than I do Wisconsin. Not to mention our defense is our strength, has been for the last few years and still is. Wisconsin struggled against good teams and good, tough defense. Northwestern, that's their thing. Iowa, that's their thing. And Graham Mertz didn't look good against them. And we got the bonus of Jack Cohn. I'm sure he's motivated to go beat the crap out of his former teammates. So I've got Notre Dame at 4-0 already. Then we go to to Cincinnati comes to South Bend. Now – This is one that I'm going to do a little bit of a rant on because I don't fucking get it. I got the explicit tag. We're good, guys. I don't fucking get it. Cincinnati comes in, according to this, ranked number 10, one spot in front of Notre Dame. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm lost. I I went through. I did the research back in February. I went through some shit again. I I'm confused. They're talking. The thing with Cincinnati that they keep. Wow, man, they're bringing back that defense. Yeah, that defense bringing it back. Yeah. Well, you know who's not back is the guy who coordinated that defense and made that defense what it is. Now, I realize the players still have to play and the coach is just a coach, but I'm sorry. We've been through the Brian Kelly roller coaster, and coaching matters. Coaching matters. We've been to forget Brian Kelly, Notre Dame roller coaster since Lou Holtz. Coaching matters, okay? So, not to mention, I got the defense back. Um, you lost one of your starting linebackers and both of the safeties. Okay, so Freeman's not back. You're losing a linebacker. And both of your safeties, and you're just going to pick up where you left off, right? Okay. Uh, offensively, Desmond Ritter is back. That's cool. Um, you got a really good tight end who's back. That's good. You got a couple running backs. Okay. But you got two new offensive tackles. I. And, and, uh, here's the thing. We're going to talk about Notre Dame, too, here, uh, kind of at the end of this thing in comparison, right? Notre Dame is replacing offensive linemen as well. But I'll ask you, whether you're a Notre Dame fan or not, because I know I got some non-Notre Dame guys listening out there, Casey, Marty, who do you have more confidence in that's going to replace their offensive line? Cincinnati or Notre Dame? And if you don't know the answer, I'll help you real quick. Here are Cincinnati's recruiting rankings since 2019. This is where Cincinnati is ranked in 
NCAA college football recruiting since 2019. 66th, 41st, 42nd. That is 2019-2021. Where is Notre Dame ranked, you might ask? How about 15, 18, and 9? So who do you think is going to have the better talent to come in and replace the departing talent? I'm going to go ahead and say it's Notre Dame. Oh, and by the way, we have their defensive coordinator from last year. So Cincinnati might be good for the American Athletic Conference, but when you're talking going up against Notre Dame and like legit Power 5 opponents, I don't think recruiting classes 66, 41, and 42 – are going to get the job done on the field. And yeah, they, I'm sure Luke Fickle's a great coach and all that, but at, at some point the talent is going to matter. And right now Notre Dame has it. And this is going to come up again. Notre Dame's recruiting classes for the last three years, 15, 18, and 9. Those are the guys you're going to see on the field. Okay? Like, I'm... Cincinnati being ranked preseason 10, I don't, I don't, I'm just not following. Like, for the course of the season, no. Are they good enough to be ranked? Probably. Are they going to be the best team in the American Athletic Conference? Probably. But that, that doesn't warrant top 10 discussion. So, cool, Desmond Ritter's back, fantastic. But you're replacing a lot of stuff, and... The guys you've got coming in to replace those guys are not at the same level as the guys replacing our guys in South Bend. It's just it's not the same. You can't compare the two. So I've got Notre Dame with a win there. We're five and zero. Oh. Then we got at Virginia Tech. Oh no, loud noises. Uh, people are going to be playing music and I. Awesome. Fun. And I, I've got so many, so many pages. I like from I pulled back the old uh, notes from episode two. I got, but at Virginia Tech at night. Ah, no, I I think we're okay. That went well last time for Virginia Tech. I think. And here's all I'm gonna say about that. If your whole like why you're gonna beat Notre Dame is because you play Enter Sandman. And it's at night. I really like Notre Dame's chances. I really do. When you can't discuss, like, talk about the actual players that are in the game, and you're gonna rely on outside, like, irrelevant things. Go ahead, talk it up, Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Notre Dame's got to win there. We're six and zero. Now we got, well, we have a bye week in there, but then we got USC, who is ranked 14th preseason. This is our third ranked team, according to the preseason. Wisconsin was 12 since he was 10. USC's at 14. Now, this one's interesting because USC has talent, okay? They they do. That's, that's their, like their thing. It's the problem lately is Clay Hilton's their coach. <laughs> he's still there. And he's got to get something more out of the team. I mean, like I that, that's just, I mean Clay Hilton's still there. He's continuously led his team to underperform. So why is this year gonna be any different? Why? Because Slovis is back and their wide receivers. Okay, cool. You're that is correct. They're gonna bring back a lot of uh, passing talent. Got to emphasize that quarterback receivers. Awesome. Their running game was bad last year, and they lost their best offensive lineman to the NFL. So you're gonna bring back an offense that ran for 97 yards per game. 97 yards per game. Now, the thing with that is they threw for 416 last year. But 
You, I'm sorry. Or sorry, they threw for 319, 416 total. They threw for 319, ran for 97. You're going to try to go one-dimensional on Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman? I don't think that's going to end well. Good luck. Good luck going one-dimensional. And then one of their leading rushers, Marquis Stett, gone, transferred out. So now <laughs> not only are you bringing back a bad rushing attack, you lost one of the key contributors. So, uh, I mean, again, uh, just like Cincinnati, they might be good for the Pac-12. That might be great. That might be good enough to win the Pac-12. It did last year. But I, I just don't. I just don't see how Clay Helton, who has a history of underperforming, they're one-dimensional, and they can come in and beat Notre Dame. Now, no, there's no projections. I'm not talking like, oh, somebody's picking USC to win. I'm just saying when the game time comes around, going off of what I do know and not trying to guess at things, what I do know, I like Notre Dame. I I do, and I'm going off facts. Now, the other factor is, okay, USC's last three recruiting classes were ranked 20th, 64th, and most recently 7th. Now, I emphasize that 64th because, again, if you're replacing talent, the number 20 class, okay, cool. But the 64th class, that's not, t- that's not USC material. That's not what they're used to. So now Clay Helton couldn't perform with guys who were – highly recruited and highly touted. Now he's going to try to do it with the 64th ranked class. I just don't see it. Notre Dame 7-0. And now we get to game eight. At home against the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. I've got a whole page on this one. I've talked about it already in past episodes Strap in, guys. I am going to tear down UNC like you wouldn't believe. And me, me and Beef, Casey, if you if you got time, yeah, watch it for the changes. If you want 30 minutes, me and you can just rant and rave about the ridiculousness that is North Carolina's hype. Marty, you can get it on the action too. Anybody, hit me up. Fivefootnothingpod at gmail.com. If you want a 30-minute just North Carolina teardown and destruction, I am all for it. Because the re- why they are ranked number seven preseason is beyond me. It's just absolutely beyond my comprehension. My head hurts thinking about it. It, it hurts. Like, I... I was writing the notes for this, and I'm like laughing, and uh, I, I felt like the Joker. I'm laughing, then I'm going, "What the hell? The fuck are they seventh? Like, I'm la- I'm laughing, but in an angry way and sarcastically. Like, I'm pushing my pen hard in the paper. Like, this doesn't make any sense either. It's ridiculous. And they're in the ACC. They're not in the weak ass Pac-12 or the uh, American Athletic Conference. They're in the ACC, which, by the way, houses Clemson. Last time I checked. But, oh, they're going to be good this year. Look out, Jackson. Hello. No. Not to mention a team like uh, Miami is to be talked about. We just talked about Florida State. That might be good. But North Carolina, that's the team. Let's discuss why they're not the team. Okay? First of all, I don't know how good Sam Howell is. I, I'm, it, it seems like he's going to be an NFL quarterback. But you know who he's not? You know who this guy is not? He is not Michael Vick. He is not Vince Young. He's not Ken Newton. He's not any other quarterback that we've seen in history that has carried their entire fucking team. He's not that guy. I know he's not that guy. Because he could have beat Notre Dame with two 1,000-yard rushers that are, by the way, in the NFL now. He could have beat Notre Dame with two NFL wide receivers. Because Michael Vick and Vince Young were doing with a bunch of nobodies. They were doing the whole damn thing. Cam Newton, Auburn was just another team. They were kind of good, kind of not. Cam Newton shows up, they're national champs. Why? Because of Cam fucking Newton. That is not who Sam Howell is. He's probably an NFL quarterback. 
He's good. Yes. But last time I checked, football is a team sport. Despite what Michael Vink, Michael Vink, I got Vince Young and Michael, Michael Vick, Vince Young, and Cam Newton showed, it is still a team sport. And it is the ultimate team sport. Because if you don't have, I don't know, your offensive line blocking for you, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have your receivers catching the ball, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have running backs that can balance your passing attack, it doesn't matter how good you are as a quarterback. And I'm going to talk about their offensive line in a second because this is funny. But first, let me go back to these 2,000-yard rushers and the two NFL wide receivers that are now not on North Carolina's roster. The wide receivers last year had a, those two, just those two, had 109 catches for 1,783 yards. That accounted for 46% of Sam Howell's completions and 49.7% of his yards. So you're trying to tell me that he's going to lose? Just caught half. I mean... We'll round up half of his yards at 49.7 and nearly half of his receptions from the receiver position. And they're going to get better. They're going to get better. They're going to get better than eight and four. That's what you're telling me. Hold on. Let's go further with it. How about those two NFL running backs? What did they do outside of rushing for a thousand yards apiece? They combined for 50 catches and 572 yards. So let's add that to the 109 and 1783. And you end up with, Sam Howell losing 67% of his receptions and 65.6% of his yards. So 67% of his completions were to those four guys. They are now not on the team. 66% of his yards went to those four guys. They are no longer on the team. And they got better. But hold on, hold on, hold your horses. I have good news, North Carolina fans, if you're listening. I hope you're not because you're not going to like it. North Carolina, good news. You have all five of your offensive linemen back. All five, baby, they are so back. Yes, they are. I don't know that you want it, though. Do you want this? Do you, this is what you want back. You know where North Carolina's offensive line ranked in sacks allowed last year? 120th, 1-2-0. You know how many teams played college football last year? 127. There were seven teams worse than them. They averaged over three sacks given up per game. Or no, right at three. It was like right at three. No, three sacks a game. So your all-world quarterback is spending a lot of time on his ass. That's what that tells me. But they're back. Don't worry. Oh, they are so back. And I was kind of frustrated. I couldn't find any advanced rushing statistics. That would have been helpful because I'm betting that those two running backs had a ton of yards after contact and probably very little yards rushing before contact. So please bring that offensive line back. We are excited. Why am I excited as a Notre Dame fan, you might ask? Well, let me tell you this. You know how many sacks Notre Dame had last year against North Carolina? Six. You know how many of those sacks are returning? Four. Two of the sacks were by Eddie Ogundeji, who is now in the NFL. But the other four sacks were by current active members of the Notre Dame football team who will be there in South Bend against North Carolina this year. And I mentioned it once already. I'll mention it again. Notre Dame's strength this year is our defense, not just our defense, but our defensive line because they were very active last year, and most of them are back. All we lost was Dalen Hayes and Eddie Ogundeji. You still got Kurt Heinrichs. You still got MTA. You still got Riley Mills. You still got the Emmy and Dola brothers. Like, what? What's gonna happen? We beat him 31 to 17 last year, and Sam Howell played like dog shit. He threw for 211 yards, and those all-world running back combined for 85 yards rushing. Like. I, I don't get it. And they're like, well, they 
recruit really well, guys. They're Mac Brown's the recruiting guru. He's the man. Okay. Their last three recruiting classes. They were ranked 30, 13th, and 14th. Okay, 13th and 14th, solid. That's respectable. Except Notre Dame's recruited better in all but one of those years. Reminder, Notre Dame was 15, 18, 9. Um, 15 is better than 30. 18 isn't as good as 13. 9 is better than 14. So again, I ask you, how in God's green earth are we having better recruits replace our losses? They have less, and they got better. I, I don't get it. And here's the fun thing. Again, I'll go back to this. Notre Dame is replacing their offensive line. Yes. By game eight, I assure you Notre Dame's offensive line will be together. And I have a lot more confidence that Notre Dame will figure it out. We are fucking O-line you. And you can debate that all you want. And it's it's worth a debate. Yes. But I, I, don't, I didn't go through it. But I can raffle off I don't know how many Notre Dame offensive line that are currently starting in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm going to put more stock in what Notre Dame is going to replace on the offensive line versus what North Carolina is going to replace because Mac Brown's there. Oh, yeah, Mac Brown. He turned, just, you flip a switch. That's all you had to do. He didn't know. He, there was a special switch. You just flip, and all of a sudden you get recruits, and you're better. I, this North Carolina hype is an absolute joke. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And, again, Notre Dame – that defense that shut down those two NFL running backs, those two NFL wide receivers, and this all-world quarterback, they're only losing Jeremiah Uusakaramoa. That's kind of a big deal, I'll admit. But the other linebackers that are going to replace him all played last year and did a fine job. Then we're losing Dalen Hayes, who is kind of a rotational guy. And then Adi Ugandeji, who, yes, he was good, but we've got DNs that can come in. And we lost Nick McLeod at the cornerback position. Okay, here's a fun little caveat that some people don't know. Fun little nugget. You know who didn't play in that North Carolina game? Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton did not play, and it was at North Carolina, and we still shut them the fuck down. So now, all of a sudden, they're going to lose all their production and come back and be better? Based on what? Hopes and dreams and fucking rainbows? I don't get it. I don't get it. There is no business for them to be ranked seventh or being talked about in the way they're being talked about. This keep keep this one in mind. Game eight, North Carolina. Remember this information. I'm not gonna re-rant the whole thing, but I, I'm probably gonna come up to the edge. I'm gonna overlook the the dive. Yeah, I'm gonna be on the high dive looking over. Do I go down this rant again? Because it's gonna come up here in about. 15 minutes. North Carolina is not good, guys. They are not good. Sam Howell is. But it's a team sport. Last time I checked. And you got five offensive linemen that are coming back that sucked last year. And you're losing, I don't know how much production from 2,000 yard, 2, yards worth of rushing and over 2,000 receiving yards. Like, it. I can't get there. So I got Notre Dame at 8-0. I really do. Like after looking at going more in depth, you know, from February, I had a couple toss-ups straight up. North Carolina had them as a toss-up. Uh, Wisconsin had them as a toss-up. That was my paper. Awesome. Yeah, Wisconsin was a toss-up. USC was a toss-up. So, but now – I just did a little more in depth, kind of looking, and anything can happen. I know, and and we still don't know what Notre Dame is. But again, I kind of go back to at this point. That's another thing, guys. We need to normalize that Notre Dame is good. We need to we need to accept that. Marty, Casey, any non Notre Dame fans, we need and Notre Dame fans. We need to, you know, I'm gonna be realistic. I'm not I'm not saying this just to. Again, I'm not saying this because go Irish, blue and gold, yeah, green out, Irish for life. I'm all of those things, yes, but I'm trying to be realistic here. 
we need to normalize Notre Dame being good. Okay, this is not the 2000s Notre Dame team. Okay, Brian Kelly has put us in a position, and God bless him for figuring it out and being able to adjust and uh, change his mindset. But we need to normalize Notre Dame is good, guys. Ten wins should be standard. We should be like Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and have those expectations and not be considered crazy for having those expectations. Because we've set ourselves up between recruiting classes and results on the field. There is no reason to think that the last four years have been a 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. <laughs> Double check. The last four years have been a fluke. It, it, it's not – that is not – this is a new program. Like we are built to not full-on reload like, say, Alabama or Clemson, but certainly not rebuild. We're certainly not at that point. So we need to accept and understand Notre Dame is good. And I don't give a hoot what these people want to say about who's – uh, uh, no name's overrated. No name's overrated. Go back again. Go back to episode, I think it was three or four. No name is not overrated. We're not. So, after North Carolina, the joke that is North Carolina at this point, and not to say they're not going to be good, but they are not going to be a top 10 team. Uh, it ain't happening. I don't see it. I don't buy it. It's, it's, it's BS. They went 8-4 and four last year. And I just went through all of the stuff they're losing. And somehow they got better. The math doesn't make the math doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It, like I can't connect the dots. I it ain't happening. So we're got Notre Dame 8 0. Then we got Navy. Navy Navy game is never fun. But Navy's not what Navy used to be. In fact, Notre Dame ran, averaged more rushing yards last year than Navy did. That says something right there. So that's a win. At Virginia, I think it's going to be a win. It could be interesting. Brocko Mendenhall coaches his guys up and everything. But their, their offense, is, again, Notre Dame's defense is going to shut them down. Their leading rusher was their quarterback. And when they did throw, it was all like dinks and dunks. Like their, like their whole game is an extension of their run game. So, ten and zero. Now we got Georgia Tech. They're young. They're getting better. They got young guys. But I don't think you're going to turn around and turn it around in one year. And at that point in the schedule, if it goes the way I feel it very well might. Notre Dame's not going to be overlooking Georgia Tech when they're sitting at 10 and 0. So 11 and 0. Then we go to at Stanford to close out the year, and that's never fun, guys. We know, we know at Stanford is never fun. They give us trouble. I don't know why, but they do. Uh, but Stanford isn't good. They don't have an established quarterback. Their quarterback just left for the NFL. Uh, their recruiting classes are not good. They don't have any big standouts. Notre Dame could very well go 12-0. But it's not going to be North Carolina. Um, but I, if they slip up against, let's say, USC or Wisconsin, um, you know, I, I don't see it being Cincinnati. But let's just say it, they're 11-1. and one. Well, Where would that put them? Well, let's find out. And I said... If Notre Dame, when did I write it down? What if I, wait, I gotta go back. Okay, yeah. If Notre Dame goes eleven and one, that's probably a New Year's Six game. Okay, that's probably a New Year's Six game. Um, I I don't see us losing ten games or uh, two games to to get, have ten wins, but I will guarantee we are better. We are ten and two or better. I don't see us having a second loss. Um, 12 and 0 is, is a real possibility. 
11 and 1 can absolutely happen. I don't know who the one loss is, though. It will not be North Carolina. It will 100% not be North Carolina. That, I, I'm building a house. I will bet my new house it is not North Carolina. Okay? It's probably going to be USC or Wisconsin. Um, if, if there's a loss. So, that would probably, if we're 11-1, that would put us in New Year's 6. If we go, if we go undefeated with that schedule... I mean, my God, we played top 10 North Carolina and top 10 Cincinnati and top 15 Wisconsin and USC. If we go undefeated, how are we not in the college football playoff? Probably because Cincinnati and UNC were not that – UNC, North Carolina, were not that good. USC and Wisconsin, that's different. But let's see what 247 Sports thought about their New Year's Six projections. Their college football playoff is – and I think my five-year-old could have written this one out. Ohio State versus Alabama and Oklahoma versus Clemson. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, like, no duh. Like, to be a, a to be a teenager about it. Well, duh. Those are the four best teams lately. Except Oklahoma gets run out of the gym just as often as Notre Dame. Well, correction. More often than Notre Dame does in the college football playoff. But nobody talks about Oklahoma like that. Only Notre Dame. I guess because our helmets are shiny and they draw more attention. I'm not sure. But, sure, put Oklahoma in there. Whatever. But Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Hey, what the hell? Those are the same three teams I talk about every goddamn episode. And here we are again. Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson. So, yeah. That's your four. So, that leaves the peach, the fiesta, the rose, and the sugar. Let's see who... 247 thought would make those games. I'm going to start with the Sugar. They've got Georgia versus Iowa State. And Georgia's there because Georgia plays Clemson in the beginning, and if Clemson's in the playoff, that means they beat Georgia. So Georgia, if they continue to win games like they're expected to, they'll probably make the Sugar. And they might even lose to Alabama and probably an SEC championship. But I still think if your two losses are Clemson, Alabama, and you're competitive – you're going to be in New Year's Six game if you're Georgia. Okay. Then you got to play Iowa State, who I, I don't have the details on Iowa State like I do with North Carolina, but, um, I mean, is that not the different side of the same coin? My God. Brock Purdy is not Vince Young. He is not Michael Vick. He is not Cam Newton. And fun fact, Notre Dame shut him the fuck down two years ago, too, in a bowl game. I – I don't know where the Iowa State love's coming from. Matt Campbell is great. He's a fun little coach. But I'm not seeing it. But whatever, if they get there. I mean, that game I'm not too worried about. It's the other games that are interesting. So Georgia, Iowa State, and the Sugar. The Peach, the Fiesta, and the Rose have one thing in common. I'm going to say the matchups, then we'll discuss. The Rose Bowl is University of Southern California versus Wisconsin. The Peach Bowl is LSU versus North Carolina. And the Fiesta is Notre Dame versus Coastal Carolina. Anybody else catch what's common about those matchups? USC, Wisconsin. LSU, North Carolina. Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina. Notre Dame is directly involved in all three of those games. Notre Dame plays North Carolina. Notre Dame plays both USC and Wisconsin. And the reason Notre Dame would play Coastal Carolina is because they probably beat Cincinnati and knocked them out of any chance of being a New Year's Six game. I found that very interesting. But somehow Notre Dame is overrated. Yet they have a direct impact, according to these projections, a direct, a direct impact on who will play in the Peach Fiesta and Rose. But Notre Dame is irrelevant. They're overrated. They're nonsense. They're this, that, and the other. So if you hate Notre Dame, just say it, guys. Just say I hate Notre Dame. I don't give a shit if they go a million and oh. I hate Notre Dame. They suck. Because if you're trying to provide logic, reasoning, and facts, which is something I like to bring to my show, and you're telling me that Notre Dame is irrelevant and overrated, and then you look and see the New Year's Six projections, and they're directly involved in the outcomes of those three bowls, I don't know what to tell you. So, now that I've taken it 
seriously, like those are going to be the matchups. Let's talk about how ridiculous it is. How in the hell are you going to project North Carolina after everything I just said? What research are these morons doing that I'm just a dude in an apartment in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I'm seeing this shit, okay? Casey, my buddy Beef, he's up in New Jersey. He found the same shit out too. Do, they, do we have different internet connections? And do we get different uh, highlights and stuff? Like, Are we getting different information in Texas and New Jersey that they're not getting elsewhere to provide some sort of logical and fucking sensible reason as to why North Carolina is going to make a New Year's Six game this year? And then they're playing LSU. I guess LSU figured it out. Orgeron's got it all figured out. You know, can't we just accept that 2019 LSU was just so fucking insanely good that that's why they ended up where they did? Because I'm sorry, but I don't know how you're going to have Alabama, LSU, and Georgia all in a New Year's Six, or, well, Alabama's in the playoff, but that just seems like a lot of SEC overkill. I know we love SEC, guys. Let's, let's all toot their horn. I don't see it. So the Peach Bowl makes zero sense to me. Like, maybe LSU, their one loss is Alabama, and then they, obviously they wouldn't get in the uh, SEC championship and so on, but whatever. And North Carolina, again, I'm standing over, I'm at the high dive, I'm looking down into the, just the joy that is trashing North Carolina and their hype. But I've already done it. I'm not going to do it again. I'm trying to keep this under an hour. But North Carolina is not going to a New Year's Six game. I will bet my house on that one. All right. Before I'm going to finish up with Notre Dame. But Rose Bowl, USC, Wisconsin. So, and by the way, guys, I'm not on Twitter, but I do jump on there to see what's happening. And I, I did notice a lot of people, oh, Notre Dame and the New Year's Six game. What a, they're so overrated. Oh, my God. Every year they're overrated. They're irrelevant. How is Notre Dame? Well, let me ask you this. How is Notre Dame not relevant? How 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 is Notre Dame irrelevant? I just need I need to know the answer to that question because there's no way USC and Wisconsin are going to play in the Rose Bowl, the Pac-12 champ and the Big Ten runner-up because Ohio State would get in the playoff. Notre Dame is playing those two teams because I know what the well their schedule sucks every year. That's where their schedule sucks every year. Their schedule sucks every year. Well, if we're going to believe this bullshit, one, two, three, and eh, I say a fourth, but Coastal Carolina is in because Notre Dame played Cincinnati and probably beat Cincinnati, so that knocked them out. So four teams that could have made New Year's Six games were on Notre Dame's schedule, but it's trash every year. Get a better schedule. Independence. Ah. Like, come on, guys. Like, I, I hate to be sarcastic and silly, but fuck. It doesn't make any sense. So USC, Wisconsin, Notre Dame is going to play, based on this, the Pac-12 champ and the Big Ten runner-up. And I've already said, and here's the thing, they can both make, they can both play in the Rose Bowl, just like North Carolina can probably play in the Peach because of the tie-ins with the ACC. Because them losing to Notre Dame does not impact their ranking in their conference. So USC and Wisconsin can both lose to Notre Dame and still make the Rose Bowl. North Carolina could still lose to Notre Dame and make the Peach Bowl. But they're also going to lose to Clemson. They're probably going to lose to uh, Miami. I could see them losing to their rival North Carolina State. Like That could happen. But they could still make the Peach Bowl. It's That is possible. I don't see it. I don't know how they got better. So... Then we got Notre Dame against Coast Carolina in the Fiesta, which Notre Dame would go to the Fiesta and play, I guess, the next best team without a tie-in to the bowl game kind of thing, right? I hope it's not Coastal Carolina. That would That's a lose-lose. I mean, we're supposed to beat them. It's Coastal Carolina. And if we do beat them, what did you prove? It's just Coastal Carolina. Never mind the fact that we had four teams on our schedule that are New Year six projections, like on the uh, in the conversation. Never mind the fact that at this point we're probably gonna be fuck. I can't even do the math. What 
54 and or 55 and 8 or 54 and 9 over since 2017. Never mind all that. You didn't prove anything by beating Coastal Carolina, and that's probably true. So I hope it's not that matchup. Uh, you know, we'll see. But these New Year's Six projections are absolutely comical to me. Not because of who it is. I've, I've discussed kind of that. Like, I think it's funny, whatever. But how in the world are you going to project an entire freaking season? We haven't even seen a down of football. We're basing this off of spring games and stuff that we're going to guess at. I I don't get it, but uh, I'm out of ranting and raving. I've got, I've got nothing left. So that's where I'm at, dudes and ladies, if you're listening. Notre Dame has a very, very good chance to go 12-0. And, and if they go 11-1, and they will be in the New Year's Six game. Will it be the Fiesta Bowl against Coast Carolina? Who knows? But... We've got some uh, games that are, you know, on our radar. Uh, and to me, it's just USC and Wisconsin. I don't think it's Cincinnati. And it is sure as hell not North Carolina. That will be a, a theme. I might just track North Carolina season just to piss on them every week with their crappy offensive line and their uh, not NFL talented receivers and running backs. So... All right. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging in with me, jumping off the high dive, and go ranting and raving about the little things in life, like Notre Dame's football schedule and who they're playing and why the teams on the opposite side of the schedule suck. (laughs) Um, But that was a fun one. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you want to tell me how awesome it was, give give me a like. Give me five stars on uh, Apple Podcast. You know, rate, review. Send me an email. Tell me how awesome or how insane I am. I don't know. You be the judge. But yeah, send me an email. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. And that's nothing, no G. Five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Thank you all. Enjoy the rest of your week. I don't know when I'll be back. But I'll try to bring the rants every time. Five foot nothing, hundred nothing, out.